Mueller and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? High noon on a Wednesday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next 120 minutes here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Back in the saddle after a little field trip siesta yesterday, Arthur Motes, the decade-long NFL vet. He's across the booth from me. And I am Wesley Euler, the pit master pond hockey playing goofy long-haired media kid. How about that? Does that work? Season ticket holder for WVU. Oh. Don't you forget. You know what? I'm glad, Come you, on. I'm glad you said that because I made a mental note to bring this up to you. <laughs> and I just totally forgot because I was so excited that, you know, we're back in the saddle. All due respect to our buddy, Adam Crowley, who we love, who was Sh- in Shout yesterday. out to the crowd, man. Dad, bye. Dad, bye. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> I, love, I love Crowley. Crowley and I go way back to college, but I'm excited. I'm pumped up to have my partner in crime, Motsi. Back in the booth with me. And yeah, I almost forgot. Arthur Motes, as of this morning, it's officially, officially official. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Section 131. Oh, Ooh, that's only good. Seats. Row 28. Seats 3 and 4. That's where you will find Mr. and Mrs. Euler. WVU football season ticket holders this morning. Arthur Motes, I picked my seats, so I think that makes it. I got, the, I got them all paid up. I got the seats picked. I guess that makes it officially official, right? Absolutely, man. Y'all are like Facebook official now, man. It's y'all a couple. It, it, it is what it is. You're tagging each other in each other's pictures now. I like that, man. Congratulations, man. That That's big time, man. Like I said, I'm going to be there for you for, for the days you come in here after a long, hard weekend of just watching your team get smashed. I'll be here. I'll be that shoulder for you to cry on, all right? But I'm very proud of you, man. That's a big boy move. Morgan thinks it's so funny, right, that, I mean, you know this, I think most of our audience probably knows this, but for those who don't, under a typical normal year, right, when we're not in a pandemic, kind of all waiting to see what sports look like, Mm -hmm. in a normal typical year, from the end of July through about Valentine's Day, correct? the NFL football dominates my life, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's 60, 70 hour work weeks, it's, you know, you're lucky if you get one day off a week, it's go, go, go from training camp through the Super Bowl. My wife thinks it's hilarious that I get, like, Saturday off sometimes. <laughs> That's it. And my life is football. And that the one day I get off, I want to jettison 80 minutes down 79 to Morgantown for more football. <laughs> Where it's okay. likely that my heart's going to get broken because I might be a big supporter, but I'm not naive here. Yeah, it's, it's strange, Arthur Motes. We're, we, you know, these sports, they do weird things to us. They do, man. But the thing is this. It's the difference between when you have to work and when you get to go have a little fun and <laughs> no you know, enjoy the situation, what they say, is this business or is this pleasure? This is pleasure right it's, here, it's man. It's pleasure, yeah. It, 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 sometimes it's painful pleasure, but it's pleasure <laughs> nonetheless. So, nonetheless. So, so that's all that matters, man. So she'll understand. And also, it'll be a good time to bond, man. There's nothing like sitting in the car with your lady, you know, on a nice little road trip to one of your favorite places, mm-hmm. one of the places that you both have connected. Where we, and, and, where we met. Yeah. Where we got married. Where you got your name from, had everything, our first, man. Had our like, first kiss. 
Yeah, man. So in that regard, man, it's just a perfect situation. And then y'all can cry on the way back. That's right. You, you can you can show her your sensitive side, your emotional side when you ride back in the car emotional. And you're like, hey, babe, can you drive the day? My, my heart just hurt too bad. My <laughs> eyes are swollen from all the tears. And I'm catching high blood pressure from this salt coming down these tears, man. It's just, it just hurts right now. So in that regard, man, I think it's going to be a great situation, not only for you, but for her and your marriage. So I'm proud of y'all, man. I'll just be, I'll just be <laughs> sad. Eating wings, leftover wings in the car on the way home. You drive, babe. <laughs> you guys already know the drill. If you're rocking with us here for the next two hours, you can find us. You can get your questions, comments, concerns, reaction in on the Twitter.com at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. Oh, we're officially back mm-hmm. after that one. We've got a bunch to get to today. It's a Wednesday, so you know we'll have a best of the West in the second hour. I want to talk a little rookie expectations as well too uh, just how we're going to evaluate that now and again just a, a changed sports landscape and we've got some some real some real conversation to have about a move that the players coalition has made this week as well we'll get into that next Arthur Motes but I want to start here because I know before we get into some heavier stuff mm-hmm I know you're a guy who's getting into NASCAR lately. Absolutely, baby. (laughs) Well, Arthur Motes, NASCAR, I don't know if I'm correct in saying this, but it feels like they're the first sport, at least in the United States, that is going to start allowing fans in the stands, in attendance. Yeah, from my understanding, they are the first uh, put it like it's the first major sport. Yes. Put it like yes. that. So I would definitely say that. And it's groundbreaking. And I'm actually proud of NASCAR because they've gotten a bad rep from a historical standpoint in terms of the fan bases and what people just associate with NASCAR in that regard. But throughout this week, man, what NASCAR has been able to do in terms of jumping into the, the Black Lives Matter conversation and not just putting out a statement but backing their drivers up. I mean, we talked about the video that the drivers made. Each driver made a video where they're talking about Black Lives Matter and the different things that they want to do to improve that sector. But then the NASCAR as a whole took that same video and broadcasted it live right before their their race this uh, on Sunday in Atlanta, mm-hmm. which was a big deal. And then you listen to Bubba Wallace, who's uh, the, the only minority driver. He's mm-hmm. going to have a car with a Black Lives Matter custom paint job on it. And the fact that NASCAR is backing all of that, for me, that says a lot more than some of these cookie-cutter statements that we saw different organizations put out. So I'm very proud of NASCAR in that regard. And the fact that, like you said, they're going to be the first major sport to allow fans back in, I'm glad that they're getting that recognition as well because they deserve it right now. Man, it's it's really been a... Uh... All eyes on NASCAR these past couple weeks. It has been, man. (laughs) It has. Uh, So NASCAR announced yesterday that the fans will be allowed to return to to races, obviously in small numbers, uh, in Florida this week, in Alabama next week. And as I'm sure all of you can imagine... All a lot of the social distancing measures are in place, right? Like no tickets. Tickets are only going to be sold six feet apart, right? There has to be six feet between each ticket, I think, unless you're coming as family members. Correct. Um, there's going to be sanitize, hand sanitizing stations and things like that available all throughout the the tracks, right? Is yes, the, is the, is the proper yep. term. Um, I think they're even going to try and do temperature. They're, they're trying to get the technology to do temperature checks on the way in. As a matter of fact, see, now I got to go off on a rant. Okay. I, I hate to do this. Go ahead. 
but now I got I got to get this off my chest. Hey, baby. it's your show too, baby. It's Euler Remote. Okay, so look, <laughs> this temperature check me. I got an issue with it. Okay. All right, I got an issue this, with it. Is this Dr. Moats coming this out here? This is Dr. Moats. The reason I got an issue with it is this, man. I like to drink tea. You see me drink tea all the time. You see I come in here, I'm hot and sweating. My temperature rises every time I drink tea. Does that mean that I'm going to be viewed as a guy who has COVID-19? Are you going to say I cannot attend a NASCAR race <laughs> because I like to drink tea and it's already hot outside? You know, I'm the only guy doing the summer. It's 110 degrees outside, and I want my drink hot. You don't want ice in that? No, I don't. I want it hot. Please. So, should, should, so because you want to check my temperature, now you're going to hold me back in that regard. Listen, I'm supposed to be going to Hawaii in a little while, right? <laughs> you are. This has been a big stress on Arthur Motes' mind, if he should still go to Hawaii this summer or not. I'm supposed to be going to Hawaii. <laughs> and recently, they started flirting with the idea that they want their airlines to test individuals for COVID-19. And if they don't test, they want to at least check their temperature. I don't, want, I don't have time for that, man. <laughs> Listen, flying is already stressful enough. Ain't that the truth? TSA is already enough. You know how many times I've been the random selection at TSA? They check my bag every single. I'm talking not 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 they just go on the little conveyor belt. No, no, they go pull me to the side and take all my stuff out and check me every single time. Every single time. Don't matter who I'm with. Doesn't matter. Big group, small group, by myself. It doesn't matter. Early in the morning, late at night, it does not matter. But my issue is this. You're going to add another element to that by wanting to check my temperature? My temperature? Yes, it's hot. I'm a large fella. If you see me in person, I'm a big guy. I get hot easy. I complain to Wes every time I come into the studio. Yo, Wes, man, is it hot in here to you, bro? It's true. I'm hot, man. I take my hat off. He does. I, I'm still day. drinking my hot tea, but I'm hot. <laughs> every day, he's like, man, is it just me or is it hot in here? So, so if you want to check my temperature right now, I, I guarantee it's hot. I guarantee it. So does that mean I should not be able to come in here and get on the microphone because I got a temperature? Well, I hope not because I I got to get Crowley back in here. It's driving I mean, me just, nuts, man. Know. It drives me nuts. So NASCAR, I, I I love what you're trying to do. I love it. I love it. But that temperature check got to go. I ain't got time for it, baby. I don't have time for it. There's got to be I mean, a way I mean, yeah, that we can dude, come up with something. Dude, people people run a high fever for anything. What That's if true. they got allergies? That's true. They have allergies. That could be a big thing. What if they got the common cold? Is that still a thing now? Is the common cold still a thing now? I don't even know. I don't. If, if my nose run, I'm thinking I got COVID. <laughs> That's, that's where I'm at with this thing now. Okay? Dude, I, I For like a few weeks in uh, April, I wanted to walk around with a, just a, a t-shirt that where I wrote, it's like, just allergies, don't worry. Like, like man, my, my, I'm, just, listen, I'm just gushing my, my, my wife, every day. My wife, her allergies been acting up lately. She's supposed to go get some more medicine. She gets to sneezing in the house. Eyes get all red. I suppose I'm like, mm-hmm. is this COVID or is this allergies? Like, like that's where my mind is now thanks to this whole situation and scenario. It's, true. it's driving me nuts. Is it okay to still have a common cold? Is it okay to still have allergies? Or am I going to be penalized? That's all I want to know, NASCAR. Because I want to be in attendance. I want to be one of the few. Uh, Moats is ready. I want to walk that line. Big NASCAR fan, Listen, man. Listen. I'm about to go order me some Kevin Harvick trucker hats because that's like the cool thing to wear. Is that your guy? That is my Have guy. Have you firmly planted your flag oh, in, yeah, the, absolutely. in the Kevin Harvick? Absolutely, okay. man. And, and, and in the words of Coach Tomlin, I decided once. Just decide once. That's it. Don't, don't, don't give me multiple. Oh, I think I want to go hard this time. Oh, I'm going to be the best ever today. No, no, no. Don't, don't give me multiple decisions. Just decide once. Kevin Harvick's my guy. Point blank period. All right? 
So I'm, I've got some stuff in the works from getting me some NASCAR gear to represent him. Anybody that follows me on social media, they see I post about him. So that's where I'm at with it. Don't deprive me of that NASCAR because I'm a big guy who, even if it's 100 degrees in Alabama or Florida, is going to be drinking hot tea and hot coffee. Because that's what I like. I can't help it. My temperature will be hot, I guarantee it. All of a sudden, you're rocking up there with a 99-degree temperature, and you're getting yeah. turned away. And they're like, whoa, 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 big fella. Stop it. 5,000 fans allowed at the race June 21st in Alabama. You going to be there? You taking a road trip? Hey. Well, it, well, actually, I got to see when that race is. June 21st. That June is, twi- a ah. sun, is a Sunday, So, right? so this is my no, only wait, issue. That's Father's Day. It is. It is. This is yeah. my only issue. My anniversary is the 22nd. Ooh, that's my only issue. And, you can and, pull off the hey, what dad whoa, wants for whoa. Father's Day but is, wait a is, a, is a NASCAR race. But, but this is this is my dilemma too. If only it was a week later, I would know for a fact what's going on in Hawaii. Ooh. And if because because if I knew you get all that money back exactly because if I know ahead of time, you better believe I'm gonna cancel this Hawaii situation and we we going to Alabama for this race. <laughs> We're probably gonna save seventy five percent of the money it's too. True. <laughs> But, but but because it's before the 24th, I'm not going to be able to get all my money back at the time, and I don't want to be double-dipping in that department. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. <laughs> Listen, Moats, here's a lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts here. Uh I, Arthur Motes is listen. His blood's boiling a little bit already. He's I'm fire. sweating. I, I took my head off. He's I'm fired hot. up. I'm hot. If but I'm gonna drink this tea though. If you think he's hot now, well, don't go anywhere. The Players Coalition. With unprecedented support from across three major sports, professional sports leagues, yesterday sent a letter to Congress. What was that letter about? And what involvement did Arthur Motes have with said letter? We've got some some real things to discuss around the corner that Arthur Motes, again, involved with. Players Coalition sending a letter to to Congress from the three major professional sports leagues we will discuss next. He's Arthur Motes back in the saddle and ready to go on a Wednesday. I'm Wesley Euler, and you are inside the Electric Factory listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. With unprecedented support from across three major professional sports leagues, the Players Coalition submitted a letter to Congress this morning supporting passage of the and I don't want to butcher this, Amash Presley Bill, I believe yes. is how you pronounce it, which would end qualified immunity for police officers and other government officials. More than 1,400 players, coaches, and executives signed their names to the letter. Among them, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, Odo Beckham Jr., J.J. Redick, Matt Kemp, Giancarlo Stanton, C.C. Sabathia, just to name a few, as well as the guy standing, no, sitting, right <laughs> across from me. <laughs> Arthur Motes. The coalition stated. The collate. The coalition stated. I was going to say you keep saying coalition. I'm like, bro, you pronounce that there's funny. C- there's certain words that I like when I see them coming yeah. in a sentence. I start coalition, to get nervous, yeah. and I just pronounce them wrong all the time. Yeah. 
Coalition uh, stated that the passage of the bill would help restore public trust in government by ending qualified immunity for state and local officials, including police who violate clearly established constitutional rights of citizens. Now, for those of you unfamiliar, because until, geez, last week, I didn't know what qualified immunity was either. And I'm sure plenty of the people listening right now don't as well. Qualified immunity is a legal doctrine in federal law that shields government employees from civil liability. Mm-hmm. That's the most layman's terms way to put it. Uh, unless the action clearly violates a constitutional right based on a prior incidental case. That's the kicker. So, Arthur Motes, I'm going to turn this over to you because you know a lot more than I do, and you're, again, one of the people who signed this. What exactly is the reasoning behind wanting to get rid of qualified mm-hmm. immunity, and how do you think you, your fellow NFL players, and again, not just NFL players, guys from the NBA and from Major League Baseball as well, too, um, how do you think this will be received? You know, kind of just what, what was the intention of sending this to Congress? Yeah, man. So just to give a little context, the Players Coalition, um, I believe we started this, it would have been maybe 16, 17, I want to say. This is right after, um, obviously, Kaepernick had started doing the kneeling things, and they had reached out, the NFL had reached out in terms of trying to figure out <clears throat> different ways to get us to stop the public protests and go about the different fundings. And you heard about my, uh, Malcolm Jenkins, Eric Reed, and that whole feud they had the, the yeah. game before the Eagles and Saints played. I mean, before the Eagles and Panthers played and why they were about to get at it on the field because they didn't, like, Eric Reed didn't agree with the deal because it came off as hush money. So that was when the whole Players Coalition first started and things like that. So a lot of us had already signed up to be a part of it. The guys who wanted to have a change in terms of the social justice and things, the social injustice and things along that nature. And that's when you start hearing about the ride along programs that some of us were participating in or with Marquise Pouncey, how he was doing the thing where he was having police officers in uh, minorities come to the games together to just kind of interact with each other in that department. So when all of that started it's kind of progressed to where we are now. And this would have been Sunday, someday, sometime Sunday, they reached out to all of us via email from our various clubs. So whether it was for me, the Bills and the Steelers reached out mm-hmm. and was letting us know that, like, hey, this is the bill we're trying to pass. We're going to send it right to the Supreme Court, get it in Congress and go that route. Do you want to sign it? So, of course, you know, you read through it and you're like, absolutely, like this is a no-brainer. And the reason it's important to handle the qualified immunity and get rid of that is because when you're trying to prove that some of these officers have done something wrong, regardless of the act, how malicious it was, if you're trying to prove that they've done something wrong, this qualified immunity essentially makes it where you have to be able to point to another case where an officer committed the same act or, or, you know, just almost identically similar act and was convicted for that which is extremely difficult to do. I mean, just look at this situation right here with the George Floyd uh, with the George Floyd case. They're going to have to still prove that hey, somebody else did something similar in terms of having a knee on a guy's neck until he died or choked him out in that regard. It can be very difficult to prove in a court of law. So that's why it's important to get rid of the qualified immunity so now you could just focus on the act itself, not trying to prove that there was a pattern of this or that this officer broke uh, uh, an established right. And I think that's the biggest thing behind the qualified immunity. And I understand 
from a government standpoint, why they would want to implement that, because it gives the officers and the government officials a lot more power to implement the justice without having to feel as if, man, if I do this, I can be held accountable for that. That's the biggest thing with this. It takes the accountability away from the officers who are going across that line. Checks and balances. Correct. Which every other form of government in the United States has. has. Yes, every other form of government has checks and balances. You think about life in general, there are checks and balances. But when it comes to police officers and government officials in that regard, they don't have that same check and balance. And I understand that gives them a little, a, a lot more leeway in terms of getting some of these arrests or, or, or being able to do some of the things that they are doing that are good. I understand that element of it. But you have to be able to hold them accountable when they do cross that line. And by abolishing this, this bill that they have, this act that they have, that will open up that accountability a lot more because it's important. It's critical because otherwise they are never going to be able to be held responsible for their actions when they do cross that line. And when we're talking about just as a whole, how everything's going to operate, this is the first step. But there are more things in the works where we will be focusing more on the local and state level, because when you're talking about the mass public, we are a lot more affected at the local and state level because that's where you're looking at people getting incarcerated. It usually happens at a local level or a state level. I mean, for you to get to that federal level, like you have to be doing some some just heinous, big time outrageous things. stuff. Yeah. But for the majority of the people that are getting affected, that are being arrested, that are being charged, it happens at the local and state level. So that's going to be the next phase where we're focusing on because that's going to be critical in terms of the day to day impact that in terms of helping with the incarceration process in terms of helping with the police officers, the educational element of that. And then also, man, just ultimately teaching everybody on both sides, police and the 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 people, not even minorities, just the people in general, though, teaching both both sides how to coexist with each other, how to operate with each other, and how to educate one another so we can all coexist in a, in a far better manner. So those things are coming up in the future. But right now, this qualified immunity thing, that 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 has to get out of here. I don't know how any reasonable, and again, emphasis on the term reasonable, uh, American citizen could not be for this. Every other, again, every other branch, entity of our government has a checks and balances system in place. It's it's crazy. If you read more into this, some of the cases that have failed... It's unreal. Where the evidence against uh, a, a person, a, a government employee, a police officer, whatever it may be, was insurmountable, mm-hmm. but they couldn't prove that it was a pattern, mm-hmm. so therefore or, nothing or, was or done. Or that it had happened in another place, right. in the exact same type of setting. Because right. they couldn't prove that, then that person gets off. That's an issue. It is. It's... I think, too, you hear a lot of times, right, about the... The bad apples. Mm-hmm. There, there's a few bad apples. We got to get them out. This is how you start. And I, Moats, it's funny. I've heard that phrase a lot. A couple bad apples, right? Uh, my whole life, but I think particularly more so in the last three or four years, in the last three or four weeks when police brutality, mm-hmm. not even police brutality, just just law enforcement in general has come under more of a microscope for a multitude of different yes. reasons. I think chief most among them, and you and I have talked about this, is because everybody now has a video camera in their Correct. pocket. Uh, I, I, without, I, I, and as a reasonable human, I don't know how you could want somebody who, again, is funded by us. 
uh, let's let's be real about this, right? Uh, police are funded by taxpayers. Correct. Uh, I think it's when you read some of these stories, man, about guys who have been reprimanded 17 times, but because of stuff like this, they can't be fired. They Correct. can't be disciplined. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to change. And when in actuality, right, the whole bad apples thing, everyone's been saying that, but they haven't finished the phrase, Motsi, because mm-hmm. I'm sure you heard that phrase when you were growing up. My parents, before I ever heard that phrase used in government circles, my parents used to say, use that to tell me I couldn't hang out with certain kids in, the, mm-hmm. in our neighborhood, right? Uh, we don't want you hanging out with Jordan. That was actually his name. Sorry, Jordan. <laughs> four, four doors down for me. We don't, hang you, we don't want you hanging out with Jordan. Because we think he's a bad apple. And what was the rest of that phrase, Motes? One bad apple spoils the, the bunch. bunch. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's funny how nobody says the second part of that phrase when we're discussing mm-hmm. government officials. That's what this aims to correct. So that one bad apple won't spoil the whole bunch. And the thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of law enforcement people that are in this country doing the right things all of a sudden won't be spotlighted as well, too, because everything will be more transparent. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you hit on it because we've talked about this numerous times and we've heard it over the past two weeks. Everybody talking about, well, man, you just got to get rid of the bad police and keep the good police. Well, everybody's saying, well, how do you do that? How do you go about doing that? And for a while, yeah, a lot of us didn't have the answers to that. Well, now we do. Getting rid of the qualified immunity, that will help in a large way, weed out those bad police. So that way, the guys who are good, the, the cops who are, have been operating and upholding the law to the right standard, it's not going to affect them negatively at all because they're already doing their job. They're already operating within those guidelines. But for the guys who have crossed the line, the guys who have done it multiple times, repeat offenders. I mean, we've... T- I feel like when it comes to police, repeat offenders, it doesn't it doesn't hold the same weight as if you if me and you West commit a crime multiple times, our repeat offender is going to be a lot different. The accountability we're going to be held to. This is going to help with that. This is going to help get those guys out of there. So that way, the good guys can continue to operate and police the way they should be. And I think the reason why I like this so much. Because obviously when we talk about Black Lives Matter, it, it can definitely be a lightning rod topic right now in terms of some people being for it and others looking at it as this is a divisive tool. This this bill, getting rid of the qualified immunity, that's going to impact everyone, not just black lives. That's going to impact every sector. You're talking about minorities. You're talking about non, uh, non-minorities, women, men. It does not matter. This protects everyone. Everybody in that regard, this is something that everybody can get around and rally behind. And when you look at the people that have signed mm-hmm. this letter, I'm looking o- over fourteen hundred people I signed got, this I letter. The full list right here. We're talking Greg Popovich. We're talking Steve Kerr. I mean, you you look at those two individuals, but then you look at an Odell Beckham. Obviously, you said a Drew Brees, a Tom Brady. The list goes on. Mark and Maddox on. is on this list. Like like <laughs> when we talk about how. How diverse this list is, mm-hmm. this is why. Baker Mayfield is on this the list. Re- this is exactly why, because everybody is affected and impacted by this. And this is going to protect all of us, not just minorities, all of us. So I think that's why this is so critical, and that's why it's gotten the support it's gotten from a national standpoint from it doesn't matter which sports, which level, whether you're a coach, a player, or executive, active, or former. That's why... It has the impact that it's had and has uh, and got the reception that it did. NFL.com, if you want to read the full letter and see all the names, 
uh, just you know what here about like a two about a two page letter and yeah. then and then a list of all the names and if you scroll down to the M's you can find Arthur Motes there right near Gardner Mishu Baker Mayfield hey man you know how we do baby I mean I don't know if I like the company that you're hanging out well, with well, this, but I'll, I'll give it to him in this I'll give it to him in this setting well look and, and the thing <laughs> is this man I always talk about how if I'm up here preaching something. What would I look like as a man? First off, if I'm saying, "Hey, we need to get more involved. We need to do this," and then you're not, and then I'm not even involved. signing the list. I mean, and it, and it didn't take long. You read it; it's simple what it's stating, and you understand the concept behind it. It's a no-brainer. And like I said, I would hate, I would be embarrassed if I was the guy who chose not to sign this list. I, I would be embarrassed by that. So that's why for me, I thought it was important to be a part of it, and why it was important that we came in here and talked about it as well. I think so too. I saw this this morning. And then when you came in here and pointed out to me that you were one of the 1,400 people that signed it, yeah, I mean, we, we had to talk about this on air today. Chris Long, David Long, Booger McFarland's on this list. I tell you, man, the, the, the list. Steven Nelson, Rosie Nix is on this hey, list. Hey, my, my, my former Steeler boy, Lance Moore, he's up here as well, man. DJ Moore, like you said, man. The, Tom the Brady, list, Drew Brees. The list goes on and on and I mean, John Randall, that's, that's man, when, when we, funny story about John Randall, that's like my <laughs> one of my guys I, I pat on my game off the six and under crew, the six foot and under boys. I love John Randall. Right, like, yeah, that's that's me right there, man, because like, I, I meet the cut. I, I'm six and a quarter, so I'm technically too tall for the group. But, man, we talked about being undersized, weighing in with waist in this I'm like, yo, I live that. I, I can cop on the scale with a full backpack on <laughs> and still be under my weight. So, absolutely, man. Yeah, so it is just good to see just across the board the amount of people that are supporting this, the amount of people that got on board with this, because it is critical, man. It is critical. Don't be one of those guys just posting and not helping to take action. Don't be one of the guys that are just, hey, man, I posted a black picture because that's what they said to do, but you're not doing anything else to implement change. Get involved. It's more than just doing something for social media. It's more than just doing something for a clickbait. Show me your impact. Get involved, man. If you're working behind the scenes, do that. But get involved, man. Make a change. And that's also what we're trying to do with this Players Coalition, man. Uh, Players, coaches, front office personnel, general managers. I mean, Kurt Warner's on this list. Ex-athletes. It's it's definitely worth your time. Like I said, go to NFL.com, read the article, look at some of the names that are on this list, the diverse backgrounds of all Absolutely, the names man. that are on this list. And yeah, I, I, I just, I'm really glad again, I've said this a few times over the last few weeks. And I say this a lot about our football discussions in general, like real X's and O's football discussions. Arthur Motes, there's a lot of times that I'm very grateful to uh, to have you sitting across from me, and this is one of those times. Oh, man, you're making me blush in here, baby. Come on now. <laughs> uh, a little teaser here. You mentioned Randall. Mm-hmm. I, I, he was one of the first NFL players that I knew who he was, if that mm. makes sense, yeah. because he was on the cover of Madden 99, I believe it was. Yes. 98 or 99, right. he was on one of the covers of of Madden with the face paint and yeah, and he I, was so raw, bro. Oh my god, John Ra- and, and he also I was a uh, you know uh, having a, a mother from West Virginia. I was a big Randy Moss guy growing up because my whole family was was Randy Moss fans. Okay, okay. And then John Randall playing on the Vikings with Randy Moss. Yeah. John Randall was one of the first guys that I realized like, wow, that dude is different as a football player. You know what yeah. I mean? Like just a, a beast, just an intimidator. That defensive line that they had there was so good for so long. 
But here's my story for you. Um, when I was working in Philadelphia, right, when I was working for WIP for the radio station in Philly producing, we had this thing, um, this charity drive thing, okay. right, where essentially they told us every hour somebody relatively famous is going to be calling mm-hmm. in to the hotline, all right? You answer. When they, when they call in, they'll tell you who they are, how much they're donating, and you put them on air right away. Yeah. You know, and the hosts have them on and – Hey, here's Brian Dawkins. He's donating $20,000 to Children's yeah. Hospital. You know, whatever, something like that. So at one point, um, you know, I'm waiting for just for the phone to ring in like the 2 o'clock hour. It rings. I answer the phone. I go, hey, this is Wesley Euler from WIP. Who am I speaking with? Hey, this is John Randall. How you doing? And I was like, yeah. One of the few times in my life I was starstruck. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, Mr. Randall, thank you so much for calling in. This is great. I like it. I like that a lot. (laughs) So we'll see when we do our best of the West today uh, in what, about 40 minutes here. We're gonna mm-hmm. do we're gonna do our uh, our top ten most favorite NFL players of all time. We'll see if John Randall makes either of those lists. Hey man, I think he should. But before we go, I did want to say yep. one more thing, man. Absolutely. Give the NFL a shout out for this. So they recently started an NFL social uh, NFL social social justice funding and grant opportunity now, and this is gonna directly impact the players, both active and retired guys. But the fund that they're doing now, the NFL will match up to five thousand dollars worth of a donation in each club that the the player has played for will match up to $250,000 for any donation that you make to a social a social justice focus area talking about education, criminal justice reform, community and police relations, poverty, racial equality, workforce and economic development. So any organization that has a 501c3 in that department that yeah, the NFL if, if you're donating anywhere between 5 grand, the NFL will match 5 grand to that and if you do over that up to 250,000 each club that the, the team, the player has played for, whether they're active or retired, will match that as well, man. So for anybody that's listening out there, man, get these organizations. If you have any organizations in that department that you are that you're familiar with, make sure you pass that information along to some of the players that you follow, so that way they can have a better understanding of different organizations as well to get involved with. So that's something that I would strongly encourage everybody to do, man, because this is an awesome thing that the NFL is doing. Each club is doing as well. So yeah, just wanted to get that out there too for those guys. Putting their money where their mouth is, right? Absolutely, man. Yeah. No, it's it's good stuff and it's certainly we're we're moving in the right direction. And it's good to see, like I said, a lot of different people from a lot of diverse backgrounds all helping to row that boat in the mm-hmm. right direction. That's what we love to see, Motsi. Absolutely, baby. Absolutely. Get those tweets in at Wes Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. Arthur Motz wants to talk a little rookies today too. Mm-hmm. Man, we got a lot to talk about today, man. See, this is what happened when I miss a day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I come back fired up. <laughs> <laughs> so stick with us. We're rolling along inside the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Touching them all today, it's Euler and Motes on SNR inside the Electric Factory. About 45 minutes in the books as we wrap up the first hour of the show here. Arthur Motes. Listen, not just, not, you know, not just passionate and hitting on the real issues of the world. Also passionate and wanting to hit on the issues of the Steelers world. Yes. <laughs> Namely, getting these rookies up to speed. And real quick, did you see the video of Chase Claypool that was going around today on Twitter? I did not. Mm-mm. 
Everybody needs to go. Uh, I believe our buddy Brian Backo retweeted it, but I'm sure if you just search Chase Claypool, you can find it. Dude, it's him. I know that there's like a, I guess a gymnastics term for it, but it's almost like the round off, right? Like where you do the cartwheel into a backflip. You know oh, what I'm talking about? Oh, the handspring? Is that what it's called? But it's like the back handspring, maybe? Okay. Like the yeah. cartwheel into a back, like, tumble thing. Oh. My, not little, a my younger salt. sister would be yelling at me right now. Yeah, I'd have to see the video. But essentially, what I'm getting at here is Chase Claypool does like a dozen straight backflips mm, okay. and like turns and tucks and just like a crazy 20 yeah. second video of athleticism. Okay. So you got to go check that one out. If you, you know the thing that's it. funny to me? What's funny to you? I never realized. <laughs> Like, growing up, I would see people flip all the time, mm-hmm. and I never wanted to try it. I was like, what's the point of me flipping yeah. upside? Like, you fall in your head. Like, that doesn't make sense yeah. to me. And people nowadays, they're always like, yo, that's so athletic. And I'm like, man, them dudes that was flipping back then, they, they couldn't hold my, you know what I'm saying, couldn't hold my back if I let them. You know what I mean? When we came to, uh, to like, play a sports. But now I'm like, dang, if I would have known that that was viewed as athletic, I would have started flipping when I was younger, too. But shout out to, Clay, uh, to Chase, man. I think that's dope, though, regardless. Now, our buddy Brian Backo is saying he's receiving reports that it's not Chase Claypool. So, mm. but maybe it was one of the other wide receivers he's working out with. So, uh, okay, okay, okay. But anyways, let's talk a little Chase Claypool. Well, well I would say either way, I'm going to hate on the flipping that. <laughs> if it's not Chase, oh, I'm back to hating on it. Because I don't, I don't, yeah, yeah. When y'all talk about, oh, that guy's athletic. You know what I mean? Dude, that I seen flip. Yeah, all right, cool. Can he hold this? Can he catch that? You can see these hands. <laughs> <laughs> Are the most, maybe let me ask you this, um... Loaded question in a way, maybe, but Uh-oh. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a, a simple answer. Is is anything ever simple with me and you get on the mic? Uh, ain't that the truth? Jeez. Um, is it fair to say that we might have to tamper our expectations for rookies in the NFL this season, given the lack of the normal schedule that they're unable to go through? I think if we're being responsible about it, yes. If we're being realistic about yes. it. Yes. I think some people will be naive to the fact and they'll just say that, hey, this guy dominated in college or you look at what he was able to do at a combine or a pro day and we just want to assume that that's going to just transition smooth and seamlessly. Whereas we've seen numerous times how difficult it is for rookies to come in and flourish regardless of their draft status. First rounders, second rounders, third rounders, it doesn't matter. And that's under a traditional offseason with the full OTA, full training camp. So now they're losing out on the traditional element of an offseason, solely locked into just virtual workouts, virtual meetings, not even the the interpersonal conversations and the more hands-on training or the walkthroughs in a full team setting, and then running through these plays in a team setting under full speed and the different conditions that are associated with football. When you're focusing on all of that, I personally feel it's a no-brainer that, yeah, whatever our expectations were for these rookies, you have to dial it back, especially the longer this thing goes. Yeah. Like, if, if things turn in, you know, in a week, they're like, hey, guys can come in here and get a little bit of a mini camp. Okay, that's one thing. Or if they say, hey, we're going to expand training camp, you can come in the first or second week of July. Okay, like that's that another thing. hybrid period. Right, that's that another thing. About. But as it stands right now, man, we're talking about a major uphill battle for these guys because it's already hard enough transitioning from playing against college kids where the oldest guy out there is what 21 22 traditionally to now you're playing against grown men a guy 26 years old been in the league five years he's a killer he is a trained killer it's drastically different 
from what you've been expecting and what you've been experiencing, and depending on what school you played at, the level of competition you were playing against. So for me, I think, man, you have to dial it back. You have to. Yeah. If you want to be responsible and realistic about it, at least. I don't see how you can't. And you're right. If you, <laughs> Moats, that term realistic, I mean, that eludes a lot of people in our society. But I, I wonder, too, how it maybe, like, this affects a Joe Burrow mm. or a Chase Young okay. or, like, you know, somebody with a lot of hype as opposed to, okay, if a Chase Claypool, right, or an Anthony McFarland, a second round or a fourth round pick, gets off to a little bit of a slow start, I think people will excuse that maybe more than if Joe Burrow comes out there and looks really bad the first four, five, six weeks of the season. Chase Young goes out there and doesn't really have any much of an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, the corner from Ohio State, Akuda, yeah. goes out there in week one, week two, he's getting burned down the field for long touchdowns. I feel like for the high pedigree guys, for the big name guys in the yeah. draft process, they'll get less of a rope than maybe a guy like Chase Claypool who was picked 49th. Yes, absolutely, man. And and it, I'm not saying that's fair. I'm not just saying fair. that's how I think it's going to be. It's not fair, and, I, and we all know this. I feel like people are going to forget, once football does start, people are going to forget that this offseason <laughs> yeah, took place the way, it, yeah. the way it took. They're going to just assume, like, oh, these guys are ready oh, to football. go. And it's going to take – you know what it's going to take? Because we, we've been talking about this. We're going to talk about this again. They're not going to hear us. It's going to take Tony Romo – Coming up on on Monday, I mean on Sunday <laughs> night, and saying, "Well, you know the the thing is with this guy right here, because he hasn't had the full OTAs, he's going to be able to struggle right here, and that's why you can't see this bus is about to happen right now before the ball snaps." And then bam, and they're like, "Yo, he's a genius! I never thought of that." Or it's going to take Chris Collinsworth saying, "Now here's a guy, now here's a guy that under the normal circumstances would be flourishing right now, but because." He didn't get his chance to do these things in OTAs. Now this guy is struggling, but he's still a good guy. And this guy next to him, now this is a guy who's in a similar situation, but you look at the guy across from him who's seven years in, this is why he's having success right now. And then they goes, oh my God, he's a genius. Like, ah, I would have never guessed that. We just let y'all know right now this is what it's going to be, okay? Not to be <laughs> critical. <laughs> get ahead of the curve. That's all I'm saying, man. Get ahead of the curve. No, it's a great call by you. And... I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the people that are tapped into football 24-7, like a good majority of our listeners, um, you know, people who are reading football publications year-round, the people who like me, right? Like still, even though we haven't really had any football stuff since the draft, we're still watching Good Morning, throwing on Good Morning football every morning. Yeah, you're right. I think there will be some people that certainly grasp that concept. Mm -hmm. But there will be some that it will take Tony Romo pointing this out or just seeing it happen so many times in the first couple weeks of the season and the injury element of this too, Motes. I think a lot of people are going to be caught off guard once we get two, three, four weeks into the season at how significant the injury list is already that early in the year. Yeah, you're absolutely right. When it comes to the injuries early on, it's going to be a crazy... We saw that in 2011, and yes. that was just with the lockout shortening yes. off-season programs. That wasn't with even though an entire off-season gone. Like even this, though I'm not going to lie, I was I was extremely happy about that 2011 lockout just because it was my second year in, and my first experience in OTAs was a, a disaster. <laughs> my first training camp was a disaster, so I was pretty scarred with anything in that department. So the fact that we didn't have OTAs that second year, it was able to it helped me get confidence that I could be a good NFL player. 
and from there, I was able to flourish, and the career went on to be what it was. But yeah, so <laughs> so for the guys that you know made me some of these OTAs this year, <laughs> could be a blessing in disguise. That's all I'm saying. You could never be know. could be a blessing in disguise. You never know, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I would have went back out there for another OTA and put on a performance like I did that first year, you been gone. I I wouldn't be on this microphone today talking to you, buddy. That's all I'm saying. All right. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'm glad that lockout short season happened. <laughs> Maybe there's gave me a fighting chance. <laughs> you know, there's some there's some kid like in broadcasting school right now who doesn't realize that like all of this lack of off season is gonna keep somebody in the league, and then that somebody's gonna join them on a show nine years from now. Just give them a chance. Keep That's your chin it. up, baby. Keep your chin Just up. Just give them a chance. <laughs> One hour in the books, another hour to go. So, how does this relate specifically to the Steelers rookies? Mm-hmm. Chase Claypool. Anthony McFarland, Alex Highsmith, Kevin Dotson. How does it relate to all these guys, the lack of work, hands-on work that they're getting uh, down on the south side this offseason? And how does that affect what we think realistically they should be able to do? That's where we'll start in hour number two. So come back with us. 60 minutes in the books, another 60 to go. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Exceptional. Well, that's good. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, hour number two, Steelers Blitz here on SNR. Unions already know the drill. Hour number two. That means we will get to your tweets, and you can find us on the Twitter.com. At Wesley Euler, at the body 52. The body. Arthur Motes, talking a little rookies and expectations for them, but before we get back to that, we've got some breaking news here. In the last 15 minutes, this coming from Tom Palacero of the NFL Network and NFL.com. He tweeted this uh, just exactly 16 minutes ago. The NFL and NFLPA are discussing the possibility of shortening the 2020 preseason. Nothing is finalized or imminent, but multiple team executives informed of talks currently believe they could end up only playing two preseason games. Shortening the preseason would allow for a longer ramp-up period, regardless of whether players agree to report a week or two early and provide extra time for medical experts to finalize game day protocols for testing. Arthur Motes, I don't know about you, but when I first read that, it seems like the ultimate... What's the word I'm looking for? <sighs> Not hypocritical. <laughs> because, in the, But, like, shortening the preseason to allow for a longer ramp-up period seems like the opposite of a longer ramp-up period. <laughs> I, I don't know what the term that I'm looking for there is, but you know what? All right, all right. No, no, this, this like is, it doesn't That doesn't make sense. From my understanding, this is what I think. All right, so instead of your traditional four preseason games, right, meaning that what the first preseason game is August 1 for just conversational purposes, right? right? Or not August 1, probably August 7th, that, that second week, because people traditionally report that last week of July, right? So instead of having guys with a two-week window before the first game or even if you moved training camp earlier and gave them four weeks for that first preseason game, 
essentially what they're saying is instead of having that first game on August 2nd, let's get rid of those first two games, right, and have that first preseason game be in the middle of August, the 17th, the 20th or something. So now you could essentially have a two-month window before those games. From my understanding, that's what it is. Now, I still think that – I mean, it's never going to be perfect in this regard. Sure. But I do understand from a – I guess a portion of it, and this is more so because they're trying to start on time. If you're not trying to start on time, you don't need to shorten the preseason. I would say move the preseason back, but you don't need to shorten it. But obviously moving it back is going to have some logistical issues as well. But if you're not trying to shorten it, you have more time. But if you're trying to keep it when it's starting on time or everything on schedule, well, hey, cut down these two preseason games and let's literally give these guys two months to get ramped up and ready to go and make the best of that situation and kind of treat the two preseason games and probably the first two to three regular season games all in that same vein. Now, granted, NFL season is a lot different because you only got 16 regular season games, so you're not going to have that luxury. Can't afford to start slow. Correct. (laughs) But outside of that, you know, that element of it, I do understand, okay. I guess, what they're trying to accomplish there. But, yeah, for me, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't really see the rush. Unless you unless you are just so bent on it, it has to start on time. Right. And, and if that's the case, then sure, this is the best way to go about it. But the way that they've spoken of this situation before was that they're not bent on it starting on time and they don't, they're not opposed to pushing it back if that means fans could be in there. But now it has me thinking if because NASCAR is saying that fans are they're going to allow 5,000 fans in the stadium, and this is in what June, by the time September hits, are they anticipating that, hey, maybe we could be half capacity, 30,000, 40,000? Well, if that's the case, then that might be why they're more aggressive hmm. with this approach right now. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, at first, I, I con like a, a, a conflict was the word, like, Shortening yeah. the preseason to allow for a longer ramp-up period seems like a, a conflict in I mean, ideologies. It's, it's, a, it's a contradiction. A contradiction. Yeah. Hey, there you go. That's the word I was looking for. You know I got you, man. JMU always better than I've been than sitting w. here for five on, minutes baby. looking for that word. I mean, geez, you had me on pens and needles here. No, but that, that's a good point by you. But it's that Arthur Motes, just with the sports calendars in general going forward for the rest of 2020 and into 2021, none of us really know. Right. None of us know what it's going to look like, what next seasons are going to look like, how they're going to be affected by this season. And I guess this is just the NFL kind of, you know, having having uh, all their bases covered, if you will. And this is something too. The guy who's the one, the guy that you always see, like who surprised Bill Cowher on CBS to tell him he was getting yeah, in the yeah, Hall, the Hall of, Fame. of Fame dude, the yeah, Hall yeah. of Fame guy. I don't know his name. He's I'm, I'm big his, though. They say he's like bigger than everyone. Yeah, he, lo- yeah. he looks like he was a lineman back in the day. Yeah. Um, he was on Good Morning Football this morning. Okay. He said that the NFL has five different plans for what they could do with Hall of Fame weekend. Mm. And that they're just kind of waiting. Well, you waiting. saw that they said that they still are anticipating it going on as normal with fans. So he said, you know, plan one is anticipating it going on as usual, all the way down to plan five, which is just bumping everything back to next year. He said, we have five different contingency plans in place. When I first heard that, I thought, that seems a little crazy. But that's honestly, that's how all these leagues should be doing it now. Yes. Plan yes. for everything so that you're ready for anything. I, I, I really think it's that simple. Speaking of being ready for anything, Arthur Motes. But what if I'm ready for everything but not one thing? A wise man once told me he who prepares for everything prepares for nothing. Ooh. Or he who tries to stop everything stops nothing. Ooh. You got to focus on one thing, baby. Who we focused on? 
Ooh. Sound good. We're focused on Steelers rookies here for the rest of the segment. You sure? I'm sure. How sure are you, though? Hundred Hundo P to copy, <laughs> to, to copy that PSA Hundo that plays, P. During, <laughs> plays during our commercial breaks. Hundo P. Anyone, Slang anyone who's listening to us, anyone who's listening to us in real time knows exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. Arthur Motes, uh, Chase Claypool, wide receiver. Alex I. Smith, defensive end. Anthony McFarland Jr., running back. Kevin Dodson, guard. Do any of these positions stick out for you as? okay, maybe the nature of this, this guy can get up to speed a little bit quicker, or the other way, the nature of this, it's going to take this rookie longer without all the offseason programs. Are there any of those positions that you look at and maybe don't throw just the blanket, you know, be patient thing that saying uh, maybe this guy's going to even need more more time, or you know what, for this position it shouldn't be as bad? Well, so the funny thing is this (laughs) – this is a super loaded question because you know I like to give you those loaded questions, baby. Because for the one position that I can say, oh, this might be a little easier for, I can make an exact, <laughs> op- I can make an argument on the exact opposite, the contrary to that, why it would be a lot difficult. But just for conversational purposes, the two positions and two players that I think will have the easiest transition are Chase Claypool and Alex Highsmith. But the the reason why is very different. Okay. For Chase as a receiver, it's more so, hey, this is your route. Not a lot of adjustments off of it. You're running a stop on this. You're running a, a slant on this. You're running a go. You're running a, a, a fade. Not a lot of reacting. Correct. More just and, so knowing your, your and job. And because of the player that he is – He's not a, I'm going to give you a crazy amount of underneath routes. He's not going to give you a lot of routes like an Antonio Brown. Right now, as a younger guy, think more Martavis, mm-hmm. vertical threat. So your routes are going to be a, 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 a go, a post, fade, a corner. So it's a small window of plays that he's going to have to know. Now, obviously, he would need to know the playbook in terms of when I'm running these routes and things like that, but those are things that can easily be communicated at the line of scrimmage if need be. Hey, and we've seen Ben do it before. We've seen Ben look at a guy and say, hey, this is the route you're running. Bam, run that, mm-hmm. and we're good. Mm-hmm. So I think in that regard, he can get away with it a lot easier than if he was a slot receiver, for example, and having to know all of the different route combinations, the guys that are around him, and the different depth as well. Because as you're as an outside receiver, your depth isn't as critical on a nine route or a. And when I say nine route, j- excuse me, that's just a go route. So your depth isn't as critical on a go route. It's more so, hey, body placement, understanding that you want to be at least two to three yards away from the sideline so you have room <clears throat> to drift sure. to the sideline to make a catch sure. and toe tap. Those are the things that are going to be more important for him, whereas if you're talking about an underneath receiver, a slot guy or a number two or number three, is hey, you got to run this drag at three, at three yards because you got somebody coming across you at seven. Right. And if you're too close, I can't make the throw to him or a defender can guard both of you guys in one spot. So that's going to be a lot more critical. That's going to be a lot more difficult. I look for Eric Ebron hmm. to have a little more difficulty in that, but I'm banking on him being in the league for so long sure. that he'll be able to gather an understanding a lot easier just to give you context between the sure. two. Now, the reason why I say Alex Highsmith as the other guy is because his role 
coming into this defense is not going to be, hey, you need to know the full playbook. You need to be out there playing 50, 60 snaps. You're going to be very situational when you use Alex. It's going to be traditionally on a pass rushing situation, or it might be early in a, a first down call because you're giving Bud or TJ a break after an extended drive, sure. whether it was a first down or they got two first downs on this drive. So in that department, your base defense package is a lot smaller than your exotic third round, I mean, third down blitz packages. So for Alex, he's not going to need to enamor himself with all of that. Right. He's going to know if I'm coming in here and it's in base, I'm either going to be in a six technique head up with the C gap as my responsibility, or I'm going to be outside of the nine technique and I'm setting the edge. I'm either going to be rushing yep. or I'm curl flat edge. dropping yeah. or I'm, I'm setting the edge. Right. It's that simple. So it's not a lot. Of complexity with that. They're not going to ask him to read much. Correct. It's just going to be, this is what you're doing on this play. Correct. Especially early on. Now, later in the season, yes, he's going to evolve to that. But early on, that's how you get away with it. And then if you have him in there on a third down, it's very, very specific. But the reason why I don't anticipate him having a lot of third downs is that's the money down. You're not taking TJ Watt or Bud Dupree off. No, the only time that Alex is going to see a real third down is if, okay, the Steelers have given up two first downs on this drive. We're going in to play 9, 10, 11, and now TJ or Bud are, are gassed. Yeah. And now Alex, get in there and get them a play or two. So when you're factoring all that, Alex can come in and use his ability and, and spell those guys in that, in that vein but not have to get overly – complicated and slowing himself down thinking about so much because it's going to be a lot of base vanilla calls when he's in there early on. That makes sense. I, I like the way you put that there. Vanilla calls where it's just hey, this is what you're doing on the play. Oh yeah, because we can get exotic now. Oh. We, we can get exotic. We can get real Joe exotic up hey, here. Hey, if, you, if you want you want the blonde hair, we can get the blonde hair. If you want that, we can get you a regular fade. <laughs> you let me know. I, I think it probably helps too for Alex Highsmith that when he was in college, he got asked to wear a bunch of different hats yes. at Charlotte. They had a bunch of different coordinators. They had different head coaches while he was there. Played with his hand in the turf. Played standing up on the edge. I think that kind of versatility that he was asked to exhibit in college will help him in this regard, too. Absolutely. Be, I think I'm so, excited man. to see both those guys that Me you too. just talked about. Me too, man. My, my biggest advice to them, though, right now is making sure that physically – you are in a condition where you are ready to go. Because mentally, you're going to make a ton of mistakes. Mentally, your head's going to be spinning. You're going to look at the playbook. You're going to think you have it. And then you're going to go out there your first week of practice <laughs> and be like, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. That's normal. The part that 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 will really set you back is if you aren't in the physical condition and needed. Because once you get tired, your mind, your brain shuts off and it's going to become muscle memory. So whatever you've known, that's what you're going to do once you get tired. You don't think. So make sure that you are in shape enough that, hey, even though I'm making errors, my mind is still open to the coaching element of it. My mind, I'm still able to, okay, I can receive this and I can go take this information and go out here and implement it. When you're tired, it doesn't matter if I'm talking to you or not. You're not going to hear me. If you're tired, it doesn't matter if I just told you, Wes, line up in the six technique, you're going to take your, your left foot and you're going to slant to the C-gap. Use your hands on the tight on the tight end. Though. Don't fight the tackle. Use the tight end, okay, because he'll push you in that gap and it'll help you win that way. If you're tired, you're not hearing nothing. You're just going to say, I get to the C-gap, I get to the C-gap. And you're going to run in there, you're going to cross over, step with your right, outside foot instead of your inside foot, so false step. And then you're going to have your hands on the tackles. He's going to be looking at you the whole time. And then you're going to get pancaked because you're looking at the wrong guy. 
That's how that whole thing works. So you have to have the physical conditioning. And Coach Tomlin talks about this every single day when you're in OTAs, when you first report. Physical conditioning precedes everything. Because I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much you know, how much experience you have. If you are tired. If you're gasping for breath on the sideline. It doesn't matter. And we tell you all the time, I can't tell the difference between a guy who's tired and a guy who doesn't care. Because when you look on the field, they both look the same. Their effort is terrible. Terrible. It doesn't matter. It, it, you can have all the heart in the world, but if you aren't in condition, if you are gassed and you're winded and you can't breathe, you're not going to give me the effort I need. And I can't tell the difference between the guy who can't give me the effort and the guy who's just lazy because they both look the exact same. So that's why it's important that if I'm talking to these rookies right now, making sure that, hey, get in shape. Make sure you are in the best shape. You think you run enough, go run more. You think you've lifted enough, go lift more. Because I can assure you, you are not going to face anything that you've ever seen like when you get to this NFL situation and you're practicing against some of these guys, man. Because the cause of it will not prepare you for that. Just because from a physical competition standpoint, collegiate athletes, like I said, 21, 22, Marquise Pouncey is how old? 31? 31. Cam Hayward is how old? 31? You, you look at those type of guys. You look at uh, Vince Williams. Was he 28, 29? David DeCastro. Those are grown men, and that's the that's why a lot of coll- uh, collegiate athletes struggle when they make the jump because it's a difference going against grown men and going against kids. And now you've got all that with less absolutely less ramp up time and more of a sense of urgency than usual whenever they will get back absolutely back man. to business. Yeah, it's hey in the uh, in the famous words of our of our brethren Tunch and Wolf, <laughs> the days of showing up and then getting in shape are over. It doesn't work That's like over. it doesn't work That's like that over. anymore. You better show up in shape. Arthur Motes, best of the West Wednesday is coming up next, and I'm excited for this one. Top ten favorite NFL players, and had to say NFL because if it was just football players, my list would all be WWE. Uh, I mean, it'd just be ten, just be ten. Well, WWE well I'm guys. mad you want to make it NFL players like that. That's kind of like putting me in a box. Well. I don't really like that. It's best of the West Wednesday, all right? You start Jeez. your own best of the Moats Wednesday, and then you can, NFL you can players. set the rules. And, and I feel the same way because when we talked about this earlier, you ain't saying NFL, but you said just top players, top 10 players you've seen play. Ooh. And we didn't talk right, about well, – that's fine. Then and, I'll let you do your and, list and, however and, you No, no, no. And this is my question too. Uh, is this in person or is it on TV? No. It, so in your lifetime, you had to be old enough to actually watch them play. So like I couldn't uh, – yeah. See, now my list is – because I only went off people I saw play in person. Okay, but hey, that's okay. You can do your list. How okay, you cool, cool, do. cool. Yeah, okay, no, okay, fine. cool, cool. Yeah, sure. the, when I said players I've seen, I meant like I couldn't sit there and tell you, uh, Reggie White and Lawrence Taylor. They're both right, on my right, list. right. But because I was four years old when those guys were playing. I'm, I'm talking guys that I was old enough to watch, play, and enjoy and admire them on the gridiron. So who are the top ten favorite players that I've seen? Who's on Motsi's list? We'll get to that next with best. Of the West. One more chance. Well, not one more chance. About eh, half hour here to still get those tweets in. You know the drill. Last segment of the day. We will get to your tweets at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Best of the West here on a Wednesday, and I guess there was a little communication breakdown between Motes and I, so we both did a list of our top favorite 
football players we've ever seen. But Moats took my instructions a little differently. But that's, no, no, that's wait, wait, okay. Wait. You specifying football players again now. You never said football player. You said the top top ten, 10 players, players you've ever seen play. Oh man! So you, yours is like any sport. Yeah, anybody I saw play in person because I took it as I had to watch them <sighs> in person. In the top ten of that, I kind of like yours more. <laughs> I mean, I could go first, and you could like catch up if you wanted to. <laughs> you know what? Maybe next week. Maybe next week, I'll do your list. You and do I my do your list. list. <laughs> All right, Arthur Motes. So what I did, and you're right, it was a communication breakdown on my part. I should have been more clear when I was, you know, when I was dictating to you what I went with this week. Um, ten favorite football players that I've seen, and what I meant by seen was just like. Like I can't. A lot of people my age say Barry Sanders, dude. We were seven years old when Barry Sanders right. retired. Like, stop it. I might have watched one or two games of Barry, but the, my vivid memories of Barry were watching highlights of Barry. Right. Or you remember those like old school football books you'd be in the library? Yeah. Like it'd be like, oh, the Lions. You open it up and it's like the old him with the bar on it. And it's all these pictures. <laughs> like that was my memory of, of of Barry. I feel like it was only NFC North books too and maybe one Cowboy book. I, I remember Lions. I remember the Bears and I remember the, the Packers. Yeah, that was it. I was like, yeah, this is crazy. So, you know, I, I, I mean, Joe Green retired 10 years before I was born. Right. You were the kid giving him the coke. That's I what was it was. The kid yeah. giving him the coke. So, again, so my list is my top 10 favorite NFL players that have played since I was 12 years old. You right, know, old right. enough to really watch, enjoy, appreciate. You want me to start at the top or you want me to start at the back? Started at the top. Okay, good. I like you said. I like how yeah, you said that because yeah. listen to all of our loyal fans out there, Arthur Motes. I don't think this will come as any shock if you've listened to the show before. If you've ever heard me talk about this guy, my favorite football player, In West Virginia, huh? Troy Polamalu. Oh, okay. There we and go. There now, we go. I did all NFL guys here because you're ah, right. Pat, I'm about to say, I mean, to go. Can I get Tavon Austin? Can I get Austin? I was waiting on it. <laughs> Carl Joseph. I was waiting on it. You were waiting on it. I know. You were ready. Uh, number one, Troy Polamalu. Okay. I've said this on the show before. I don't know if I'll ever buy another Steelers jersey in my life because I don't need another Steelers jersey in my life because I'm rocking the 43 oh, oh, forever. Only two Steelers jerseys hung up in my house. Mine and Troy's. Period. It's 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 that simple. Troy Polamalu uh, not only was just a completely unique football player, he played for my team. He came into the league right when I was like 13, 14 years old and mm-hmm. really getting into football. And he checks all the boxes from the uh, – like he's just an easy guy to root for. Yes. Troy Polamalu, number one. Number two, the guy who was number one until it became Troy Polamalu. Hooray! We run! Joey Porter. Whew. I mean, that's a bad man. Listen, fifty nine was my hockey number growing up for like the travel team that, that I played a for. Bad man. But when I when I the four years that I five years that I played because I you'll like this Motes, I played JV hockey as an eighth grader. How about Ooh, how about that? Shout out the five years that I played for Mars hockey yes. for Mars. I wore number fifty five. And that was because ah, I wanted to talk so, trash. So we got the five-five connection, like Joey Porter. That's yeah, clean. Fit, like so. Fifty-nine was always my hockey number. Yeah. But for the years that I played for my high school, not for North Pittsburgh, yeah, I, I, I wore five-five. I like that. Yeah. I know I liked you for a reason. Yeah. All right. And it was because of Arthur Motes. There it is. <laughs> Who was just only a couple years older than you while you were playing? Perfect. I, I you know, they shot me in Denver. I, I wanted to talk trash yeah. like Joey Porter. He's number two on my list. Number okay. three on my list, Arthur Motes. I don't think this will surprise you and our loyal listeners mm. either. Patrick Willis. If you're picking, up, if you're picking up on a Man theme child. here, 
a lot of guys at the top of this list are defensive players. Man, all yeah. right. Whew. I just, I, I, you know, I played defense growing up in sports, in, in hockey and soccer and in football. I played defense growing up. Troy Polamalu, Joey Porter, Patrick Willis. Those three to me are like mm. the holy Legend. trinity. Yeah, legends. Number four, the best there ever was from Rand, Whew. West Virginia. Okay. Catch a beat running like Randy Mouse. Oh. Number five, Arthur Motes, another wide receiver, another local flair, Super Bowl 43 MVP. Mm. The only Steelers jersey I've ever owned that is not from a defensive football player. Wow. Santonio San Holmes. Tone time. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So that's my top five. Troy one, Joey Porter two, Patrick Willis three, Randy Moss four, Santonio San Holmes five. Number six, this might anger some of you, but the re- we keep coming back to this word reasonable. The reasonable people among you I think will totally agree with me. Number six, Arthur Motes, Ed Reed. E.D. Reed. E.D. Reed. And then I get into a little run of quarterbacks here. All right, number seven, John Elway. He was my first favorite football yeah, player growing I mean, up. Yeah, talking about that. I have a – it doesn't fit me. It's way too small. But there's a John Elway jersey amongst my jersey collections. It's the only non-Steelers NFL jersey that I have. John Elway, aptly at number seven. Number eight on the list, Peyton Manning. Okay, okay. I love this enough. dude, Peyton Manning. I loved him as a quarterback. I think he's hilarious. I love his personality. Commercials are crazy. And now that Eli's retired, I hope that he gets into an NFL analyst position because I know he didn't want to be put in a position calling games and have to critique his brother in the past. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see that dude do television, uh, you know, more than just the occasional SNL appearance and things like that that he does. Number eight, Peyton Manning. Number nine, you want to talk about a game changer. And this is a lot for me to have this guy on my list, Arthur Motes, Uh-oh. because you know I've got no love. For the university located in the Oakland district of Pittsburgh. Shady? I've also got stop it. I've also got <laughs> I've also got no love for the university located in Blacksburg, Virginia. Oh, me. But either. I've got this guy on my list at number nine, Mike Vick. How could you not? If you shout grew, out, if shout you grew out up our age, man. Creep. Mike Vick was like those those years of Mike Vick, there was yeah. nothing like that. It was every, it was the most electric thing we had ever seen. Yeah. Everybody wanted to be Mike Vick, whether it was on the playground or whether you were playing Xbox. Yeah. Yes. yes. Mike Vick, number nine. And then number 10, another guy just kind of similar to Vick that just, man, I, he jumped off the screen when you watched him and he was electric. Running back, San Diego Chargers, LaDainian Tomlinson. Arthur Motes, that is my top 10. Troy That's Palomalu, you like, is that a good list? You like that That's list? Tough. Palomalu, one. Joey Porter, two. Patrick Willis, Randy Moss, Santonio Holmes at five. Ed Reed, John Elway, Peyton Manning, Mike Vick, LaDainian Tomlinson at 10. That's tough, tough. I like that list a lot. I'm Good. not even going to lie. I'm glad I get your seal of approval. I like that a lot. So I'm just going to tell you now with my list, like we talked about, I have just the top 10 players that I've ever seen play, regardless of sport, that I've ever seen play. And you'll notice there's going to be a couple of football players up here, but not the names that you would traditionally associate just because, for me, I look at, like, for Vic, for example, he mm-hmm. doesn't make my list because – I, when I saw him play was when I was on the field playing against him. Okay, no, that makes sense. Whereas some of the guys that, that – You are, can't appreciate it as much when you're Right, right. Where, where some of the guys, it's like, oh, either I wasn't playing in this game or he played on the other side of the ball. So that's why they make the list. I okay? like it. I like it. So to start out, man, the number one person I've ever seen play in my life was LeBron James. Got a chance to watch him play in the finals versus Golden State. This would have been his first year back in Cleveland. Okay. It was absolutely I remember nuts. you telling me about going to that finals game. It was absolutely nice. Now I've been blessed to see LeBron play a couple of times. Have now. you? I've seen him. Yeah. One, I've seen him once. As I, well I've too. seen him a couple of times, man. And every time, it never disappoints. No, I, I saw him in Philly. I saw him in man. Philly in 2016. Mm. 
Um, no, sorry, 2017. It was the year after they won the championship. Okay, yeah, yeah. Saw them in Philly, and, and dude, he had this one. Yeah. I mean, he just crossed over Ben Simmons Dude. and took like two steps and dunk, like like went from the three point line to dunking in like thing. two steps. It was the most Pe- ridiculous. People thing I've ever don't seen. realize how big oh. and how freakish of an athlete he is until you see him in person. Like like the multiple times I saw him, it was he does something just wild, mind blowing every single is there, is time. Is there anybody on the Steelers that's even six foot nine? Six eight, six I ten. I think Al is probably the closest. Okay, yeah. So imagine Al if and, he was like Al, jumping and, and out of the gym. Listen, and, but lightning fast because yeah. he can fly. Yeah, like like it's insane. Imagine it's insane. Al with I don't know uh, the speed of a Tyreek Hill and the athletic ability of a Shady McCoy, but the physique of a, a, a DK Metcalf, like. It's just crazy. If you are, if you consider yourself a sports person, a sports yeah. nerd, you have to see LeBron James play and soon. Dude, it's crazy. Like in the next year or two, while he's still got in his, while yes. he still got it. Yeah, because I saw him. Like you I said, won't, you er, won't every time, it. every time I saw him, it was in Cleveland, as him being a Cavalier too, mm-hmm. and it was just nuts, bro, nuts. Uh, that's so a good, he, that's he, a good he's number, number one, one, man. He's number one. Number two, Percy Harvin. Ooh. Yeah, man. So, obviously, we're from the same hometown. I got a chance to catch him in high school a couple of times. Some of the stuff he would do was just phenomenal. And then, obviously, being in the NFL with him, got a chance to watch him and play against him numerous times. Never disappointed. No, like, like You he's talk about a guy that, that lives up to expectations. He's a If he's on that field, oh, you better believe he's going to live up to the expectation. Now, now, getting into the game, that's a different story. He might have a migraine. I, my first, the reason the far thing, that game was so big, <laughs> For me, I was still upset because that was supposed to be my first game against Percy Harvin because I had always watched him, never had a chance to play against him. And I was like, I'm finally going to get a chance to play against Percy. This is my chance to show, like, hey, from the crib, like, yep. we, we ball over here too. Yep. He had a migraine that game, didn't play. It worked out, though, because that whole thing with Favre happened, and it was like, all right, cool, I'll take That's a fair trade sure, off. Sure. But, man, yeah, he, he was one of the most electric guys I've <laughs> ever really seen play, man. The ball in his hands is must-see TV. I agree. Like, period. And that was at any level, man. High school, like I said, the University Certainly of Florida, Florida. NFL. Like, Ooh. it was crazy, dude. Crazy. I like it. Third player on my list, man, Steph Curry. Ooh. Obviously, he was a part of that same finals, man. Mm-hmm. And this was back when, you know, Splash Brothers. It wasn't no Katie. So it was literally him and Clay going to work. And wow. <laughs> dude, wow. These boys can shoot. Holy cow. I mean, it was funny because, you know, I always like to say, you know what I mean? A lot of athletes like to say we can hoop. And we, we, we've we had success at various levels. Some high school, some guys played in college. Everybody who plays in the NFL thinks they could have played in the NBA. Correct, correct. Everybody who plays in the NBA thinks they could have played in the NFL. Absolutely. <laughs> but it was just funny because we get to the game early because we want to see the warm-ups. Sure. You know, this is when Steph was shooting. Them. Got to. Yeah, the, the warm-up for Steph is like, it's, it's hey, it's worth coming to the game early to watch. That's how, when when they when uh, the Clippers were in the midst of Lob City, yeah, yeah, we, oh, yeah, yeah. we went to see them play you in Cleveland. See the warm-ups. And it was like, we got to be there an hour early. Yes, yeah, you got to see the warm-ups. We got to see Chris Ball and Blake Griffin throw an alley-oop like, during like, warm-ups. Dude, watching Steph, he might have shot 100 threes and didn't miss one. I was just sitting with my wife like, babe, this is insane. Like, what is going on? Like, it, it is not, like, near the line either. No, no, no. He's, he's three, four feet back from the line. He was shooting something half court, just chilling. Just five, six, seven in a row from half court. I'm like, yo, this is nuts. I've never seen anything like this, man, it's ever. It's wild. Yeah, he, so, he's, he's wild. So he's number three for me. Number four, man, my Olympian brother from, the, from, from Portsmouth, man, LaShawn Merritt, man. 
Olympic gold medalist for mm-hmm. the uh, for Team USA 400 400 meter dash. Man, the dude could just flat out fly. He's another cat from high school. Man, watching him do his thing and yeah, yeah. I didn't know he was from your area. Yeah, absolutely. Like I remember, man, the first <laughs> remember coming to the track. This man because he's three years older than me. Okay, he gets to the track and he's like, yeah, most of you can run a 400. So I'm like, all right, cool. I run it. All right, I'm really a shot putter discus guy, but it's cool. I, I prefer the 100. But you, know, but you know, I get it. I get, get the points. That's where they get the points. I mean, the hope. Man, this dude here, I've never seen a cat on the 400. For those that don't know, it's just one lap around the track. Correct. So you don't have a lot of time to be playing games. No, you, you, you gotta fly. Got a sprint. For yeah, the whole it's, lap. it's a sprint. It's <laughs> a, a a one lap sprint. Yes. There's no pace in yourself in the when, 400. When I tell you this man was so fast that no lie, no exaggeration, the final 50 meters, he like slowly like jogged walked it. I said, first off, it was the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. Or <laughs> a man in one lap was so far ahead of me in the field that he could just slow down and pretty much walk the last 50 meters. He just decided to take it easy. But it was just crazy. I was like, I've never seen somebody get off the blocks that fast. I've never seen somebody run one. I mean, in high school, this for just put it in context, he was running probably 46, 47 second 400 meter dashes like that's flying i think his olympic time might have been a 44 43 or 44 seconds which is just unheard of and yeah when, when we talk about that at the high school level like yeah that's that's something that you, you just don't see every day no you don't see that every day and then it just made me happy to see that he won olympic gold because i'm like oh all right i was like yeah, yeah he did it all too <laughs> so take that <laughs> I like so, it. I dig it. Yeah, man. So, so LaShawn Merritt, man, he's number four on my list. All right, number five, we get my first NFL guy. And this took a lot for me, man, because I got to admit, the first time I played this guy, I didn't really see the field. I was just kind of on the sideline watching, which is why I get to say that, you know what, I got to watch this guy. It's Tom Brady, man. Obviously, he's in my division. The first time as a Buffalo Bill when we played the Patriots, I was not on the field. I was on special teams only. Mm-hmm. Got about 20 snaps with special teams only. Didn't see no defense for real. So I got a, a great seat in the house of watching this man just go to work and the best, dissect the best, this. The best seat. And it's 2010, Tom Brady, so you know what he was on. So for me, man, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that that beating because that's back, you know, when you're a rookie, you just are happy to see players like Aaron Rodgers. Like, oh, my God, it's discount Adrian double. Like, Peterson. He, he, he's the people champ. He's doing the belt celebration. Like, like, I was still getting hype on that type of stuff. So 2010, I got to thoroughly enjoy Tom Brady going to work. I like it. The next guy on this list at number six happens from that 2010 season as well, okay. but I saw him in the preseason, Peyton Manning with the Colts. Totally different, man. Peyton Manning with Denver, it was not the same. It, it, was, okay. it, it was His like, first year in Denver was It was, was decent, good, but, but yeah. It, yeah. I saw him with the Colts. Oh, man. Dude, you talk about somebody special. Cerebral You mind. talk about somebody that it doesn't matter what you're doing, what you're lining up in, he knows. Gosh. He's like an offensive coordinator playing Dude, quarterback. It was beautiful. Yeah. I, I was giddy. Yeah. I, I was out there smiling the whole time. Oh, my God. He, he knows our checks. This is awesome. Let's go. Check, check. Look, it's me. It's me. You see me? Check, check, check. This guy's so good. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, <laughs> so he's six? Yeah, yeah. He's okay. six on my list, man. Number seven. Had a love-hate relationship with this guy as well because I wore 52 because of him. Watched his game. Studied him. Had his jersey growing up. Then obviously I got a chance to play against him, but because he plays on the defensive side of the ball, I got a, a great seat in the house, and this one, the love turning to hate. Ray Lewis, man. 
Yeah, yeah, Ray Lewis. And the reason why the love turned into hate is because, I mean, he was killing us. He probably had like 20 tackles that game, even though probably five of them were phantoms, meaning he was by the sure. potters. Ray Lewis on the play. Yep. You know, it, we had some of that. But the thing was this, man, with the Buffalo Bills at the time, we were starting out, we were 0-6 at the time. We had lost like two in a row. Like, during that 0-6, man, four of them were one-score games, field goals, field goal games that we lost. Mm-hmm. And then we had lost two in overtime, right? So we had just lost to the Chiefs in overtime. And now – we're playing the Ravens. It's in overtime. And I'm like, yo, we're about to get my first NFL win. And he tackles this guy. And instead of him going to the ground, though, somehow he ends up getting in the air. And Ray Lewis snatches the ball from him, oh. gets the turnover. They're on our own 30. They end up kicking the field goal to win. Rip, rip the, just rip the, the heart right out of me. I was just so – and this is the game where I have my first NFL sack. Shout out to Joe Flacco for that. So, like, I'm thinking, like, yo, this, I'm getting a whole bunch of firsts. My, my folks are here because the ball's pulling out far from the house. Man, I get my first NFL sack on Joe Flacco, who I got my first collegiate sack on as well. Mm-hmm. Man, I get to see Ray Lewis in person. I get to see T. Suggs, Ed Reed. Like, I'm going crazy. We're balling out. And then we lose because of Ray Lewis stripping the ball. Love, hate. I'm like, why ain't you blow the whistle? This is crazy. Y'all paying the refs now? Yo, you ain't going to blow the whistle. He's in the air. It's a dead play. I was heated. So that's why that love <laughs> turned into hate. love, hate. I got it. Yeah, I'm so he's number, he's number seven on my list. All right, number eight on my list, Cowboy Cerrone, UFC fighter. You love Cowboy. Obviously, he came to Pittsburgh. Big fan, big fan. You talk about a guy who does it the right way. He's like one of them old-fashioned, hey, you want to fight? All right, let's get it on. <laughs> like, he don't need a lot of prep. It don't matter. Oh, yeah, you want to fight me tomorrow? Okay, cool, I'll be there. Like, he's game for whatever, and he throws down with the best of me. You does. look at his record. You look at the history he has in the UFC. It speaks for itself. Got a chance to watch him in person though, here in Pittsburgh, man, and it was just awesome watching him go to work, how strategic he was, how he operated, and then having a chance to interact with him and his grandmother after the fight. Super humble dude, super cool cat. Even was giving us some of the friendly banter because he's a Denver Broncos fan. Okay. So we were going, nice. we, we were talking about that the whole weekend. But man, for me, like, yeah, he definitely makes my top ten list because he awesome. he was just a. I beast, knew you dude. were gonna have a UFC guy yeah, in he's there a somewhere. Beast. Yeah. All right, now my number nine guy. He might not excite everybody like how he excited me. Hakeem Nicks. Ooh. JMU, mm. my sophomore year, my first start, we're playing in UNC. Butch Davis' first game back as the head coach, and Hakeem Nicks goes on to get about 250 receiving yards plus three touchdowns on us. You talking about me watching the guy, and I was like, Yo, I don't know who, because at the time I didn't know who he was. I said, oh, this guy is God. <laughs> like, like, I've never seen a man run this fast, jump this high, catch every single thing. I mean, dude. It was insane. I think he's the reason why T.J. Yates got drafted in the first place because, like, he just stoned the ball, stoned the ball, and Hakeem's catching it and then just going to work. And then, obviously, they had, uh, was it Brandon? Brandon Tate, I think, was the other receiver that was yes, there with him. Yes. And I didn't even think about Brandon at the time because of what Hakeem Nix was doing to us in this game. And then, obviously, Hakeem goes on to have a nice little NFL career. So, yeah, without a doubt, man, from personal experience, Hakeem Nix, bad boy. Bad, I like it. I like boy. it. I like where you're going with all these. All right. Now, the number 10 person on my list. I don't want to say number 10 guy because it's not a guy. It's a young lady. Ooh. Abby Wambach. Nice. Yes. So, in Buffalo, this is where Team USA, all their women train <clears throat> for, uh, like, when they're out of the, the Olympic competition. Okay. And they will be trained up there at the sports facility that we would do our office. Some of the guys would do our offices and workouts at. And – Man, just being able to watch her and not even get a chance to see like her in like 
Team USA game day. Right. This is why she's telling my list because if I saw her in an actual game, it would be different. <clears throat> I saw her, her and Alex Morgan, and they had the full squad up there just doing scrimmages with each other. And, dude, some of the stuff that she was doing, I was like, yo, I don't care female or not. That is some of the most athletic stuff I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Like, it was just crazy to me, man. It was, and this is obviously nuts. like this is obviously when t- uh, Team USA from a like the women's Team USA were winning World Cups. Right. Hope Solo was the goalie. Right. Like, they were megastars. Absolutely, yeah. they were megastars. Yep. And man, being we able got to the just girl from Pine Richland here in Pittsburgh. Uh, I forget her name. Oh, I, oh my goodness. Megan Klingberg. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. So being able to just see that, I was like, yo, because I kept going back. I was like, yo. Who was I more impressed with? I was like, Alex Morgan or Abby. Or Abby. And we were like, you know, everybody knew Alex because, like, obviously, you know, she's the more glamour. Oh, yeah, Alex Morgan. But we were like, yo, this chick right Their here. Their technical is, skill is, is insane. Just phenomenal. Insane. Phenomenal. In summer of 2017, uh, I hopped on a train from Philly down to D.C. Mm-hmm. and watched, uh, you know, one of those preseason yeah. friendlies between Barcelona and Manchester mm-hmm. United. Wayne Rooney, Paul Pogba, Dude. Leo Messi, Neymar when he was still with Barcelona. Yeah. And during warm-ups, Neymar and Messi were standing probably a good 60, 70 yards away from each other and just passing back and forth. And it was like, it'd be like if me and you were tossing a baseball 10 feet apart. Jeez. And they're like 60, 70 yards and they're just passing back and forth. And like, they're catching these passes. Jeez. You know what I mean? Like with a little touch, dribbling the ball for a, for a couple seconds, yeah. a little flick and the ball goes 70 yards on a rope right Dude. back to the other. Like it, it, it's insane. And the thing is, is, I played soccer in high school. Did you really? I did. I did. I had a blast with it. But it is just crazy, like, the difference of skill. Like, because, I mean, we, we I had people that played with me that were all state. And you would see some of the female athletes that were all state. And you're just like, it was always a difference. It's like, ah, oh, it doesn't hit the same. Watching Abby, I was like, yo, oh, my God. Like, Dude, she can play with anybody she want to play with. It doesn't matter. The technical skill is It does is not matter. She can play charts. with anybody she wants to play with, man. Yeah, so that's what she's sent on my list, man. I like it. I like your list. See, now you got me thinking about I gave you from, diversity. From, from your list, right? Like, then, man, like Messi and Neymar would be high on my list. Uh, you know who, though, the, I will say this real quick because we got to get to our last break here. The single most impressive performance I've ever seen with my own two eyes, Tyron Matthew, 2011 in Morgantown. Mm. Moats, this dude had, like, Three really nice punt returns. Yeah. Seven or eight tackles. He had a pick six interception. He had a forced fumble. Like, and I was standing on the sideline with a video camera, Jeez. like front row for the whole thing. I kid you not, at one point, Jeez. his pick six motes, um, Geno Smith was trying to throw to Tavon Austin in the flat. Yeah. And Matthew just read it perfectly, came blindside. Gino never saw him until it was too late. That happens a lot with Gino. Yeah, right? And he tried to throw the ball kind of over Tyron Matthew, right? Because Matthew's 5'10". He's yeah. not a tall guy. That, that's, that's a gracious 5'10". It is a gracious 5'10". Dude, Matthew, I kid you not, jumped up with one hand, deflected the pass to himself, yeah, and then juked out Tavon Austin to score. Like, it was just the most ridiculously dude, athletic dude. thing Honey I've ever seen Honey Badger in my life. at LSU is different. Uh, it, it, I, I'm, like, that different. game That game in 2011 against WVU, I was standing on the sideline with, with, with like, the my one jaw band-aid. on the floor the whole when time. We used to have a one-eye black Band-Aid on, man, a thousand armbands on. Yeah, that was he just hit different. Six tackles, an interception for a pick six. 
uh, two forced fumbles <laughs> and a fumble recovery. <laughs> yeah, that dude was balling on game day in Morgantown. And not to mention, he was returning punts too on people. Like, yeah, he had dude, a 34-yard punt return at one point too. Dude's crazy, man. <laughs> he was the most like up close right there, probably yeah. you know like along with Messi and Neymar and LeBron James. But that yeah. performance by Tyron Matthew, I'll never forget that. I couldn't even be mad. I was Special. so I was so impressed. I couldn't even Special, be mad. Bro. <laughs> we'll wrap up the show when we return with your tweets. So get them in now or forever hold your peace until tomorrow. <laughs> at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. Inside the Electric Factory, you're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up with your tweets here on this Wednesday, Thrash says Trey Palomalu and Saquon Barkley. Or his Ooh. favorite ones. Yeah, those are two good ones. Saquon's a dog. Yeah, that's a good one. You'll like this one, Mozi. Our, our partner in Massachusetts, little JMB55. Number 10, Warren Sapp. Number 9, Maurice Jones-Drew. Number 8, Ray Lewis. Number 7, San Antonio Holmes. Number 6, Big Ben. Number 5, Debo. Mm. Number 4, Jerome Bettis. Bussy. Number 3, Heinz Ward. Number 2, Bo Jackson. That's a good one. Bo knows. And number one, Arthur Motes. Hey! Now we're <laughs> I ain't gonna lie though, bro. That MJD. Dude, him Good in one. Jacksonville was tough. That's That was right when he was at the right size. Him and Fred Till. Before he right, got, because right. he, got, he, got, he got big at the end of it. He but before, before he got too big, or, or when he was just Maurice Jones. You remember that? Or, yeah, before he was Jones Drew. You remember? Yeah, he used to have just one last name. <laughs> <laughs> then, then when he got two last names, he got, he got nice, nice. But, man, I remember him, man. Harry says, Motes, you can't take days off anymore because of Crowley. Glad you're back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I, I like dad body. Dad body. I, I think it's important that, you know, we support our brothers now, in arms. Here's a good philosophy-ish life question from, from King Gussie. Why are tears salty but don't burn your eyes? Ooh. I don't know. It's not an educa- education. I think it's something with the glands, maybe? Something with your eye, yeah. I'm just going to say something with your eye glands. If there's somebody out there who's a doctor, you yeah, let us know. because you're right. I don't know. Man, it's it, interesting. It, it's salty. If I pour salt in your eye, though, it's going to burn. Right. But you and cry. sweat in your eye burns. Yes. But when you cry, it's definitely a salty tear, but hmm. yeah. Interesting. That, that, we might have, I might have to Google that one. Mind blown. Christopher Lynn Rodriguez, our buddy from Detroit, haven't heard from him in a while. He says he's going to create a burner account for Mozi and Crowley at DadBody55. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And last but not least here, Adam Crowley. Whoa, the crowd man himself in the flesh? He says, great stuff today. Thank God Motes is back. <laughs> the crowd man himself. My favorite guy from West Virginia. Whoa. I mean, I mean, all right, all right top three. Let's we'll say top three. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Well, who would the third one be? Do you even know a third one? Blaine. Oh, yeah, yeah on, okay, man. okay, yeah. yeah, that's a good call. That's a great yeah. call there. I mean, come on. And I mean, I know I, Will Johnson. I'll mean, I, I tell you, Will and T. Garv, I, I classify them as Steelers. Terrence Garvin, yeah. Yeah, those, those are my Steeler guys. They, I don't look at them as West Virginia okay. guys. They, even though they are West Virginia guys, they're still my Steeler guys. No, I got you. Yeah. So um, I, I'm the West Virginia guy, though. Yeah, you're West Virginia Okay, guy, that's a doubt. I'll take it. I'll take it. 
This as long as <laughs> just as long as I'm a guy to Arthur Moses. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Come on, man. Just as long as I'm not a jag, right? Just another yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tell you, every time I drive by West Virginia, I think of you. I I want to send you a picture every time I drive by, but I'm like, I feel like I drive by so often that I would send you a hundred of the same pictures. It's like, oh, West Virginia. <laughs> hey, hey, babe, take a picture, take a picture, baby. Oh, this is West right here. <laughs> you did that last time. Get that Morgan you, you did that last time. I know, I know. You did it going down. Now we're coming back. I know, I know, baby. This for West. It's to let West know I'm thinking about him every time I drive by this university. I know I done sent them the same picture 20 times. I can't help it, though, babe. I can't help it. <laughs> That's what friends are for. That'll do it for today's show. Good on Motsi to be back. Thanks again to Adam Crowley for filling. I don't even yes, know if indeed, I told him that. Thanks man. again to Shout Adam out Crowley to the crowd, man. You a real one, baby. For filling in. And uh, you guys know the drill. Catch the podcast, Steelers Blitz, wherever you get your podcasts. If you miss some of today's show or you just want the whole thing on demand at your fingertips. And we'll talk to Yins tomorrow. Same time, high noon, and as always, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Stella Nation Radio.